Greeting family and friends. Welcome to another podcast in Soar with Jesus. We pray and believe that you all are doing well. I want to take this opportunity and thank you all for doing this spirit-filled and divine journey with us. We thank God for your life and how this podcast is helping you to grow and mature in the Lord. We are really thankful to the Lord to see how many of you are being benefited by this ministry and we are really, really appreciative of all those who send us their testimonies and messages um, and you let us know how this is helping you. It really humbles me to experience the favor of God in this unprecedented way. Today, as we are continuing in our series, which is Divine Repositioning, we are going to talk about something very important and critical in this part three. Yes, this is going to open heavens upon us once again. And I am praying that as you'll be listening to this word, you will have an encounter with the Lord Jesus. He's going to speak to you. He's going to visit you wherever you are. And he's going to hold your hand and minister to you. And there shall be a radical shift, an evident shift in your walk with God. Today, let it be a day of answered prayers. Let it be a day of the goodness of God. Let this be a day of uh, divine repositioning in real sense. In this part, I'm already feeling the grace of God as we are starting to learn from the word and we are going to learn from a very profound incident from the Bible. One of the most important ones in the Bible, a moment that changed the trajectory of human race, a moment that changed our direction and rescued us from hell. Yes, that moment is the moment in which Jesus is on the cross. And in this beautiful chapter, yes, I call it beautiful because it's not something horrifying or it's not something that should make us sad, but it's basically the most glorious moment for all of us because in that moment, the Lord Jesus rescued all of us from dark. And as we dive into this word, I just want to remind you that we are talking about how the Lord repositions us. And in part one, we learned how he repositioned Joseph and Abraham and Ruth and Esther and so many more. And in part two, we also learned about how he repositioned Zacchaeus when he was moved by the self-repositioning of Zacchaeus from ground to the tree and how Zacchaeus humbled himself. And if you've not heard those two words, I would really encourage you to listen to those words and, you know, it's just going to bless you and it's going to elevate you. So today, as we are continuing, I want to talk to you about these two thieves and how prophetically the Lord is going to use this word to reposition you in an amazing way. Now, Jesus is on the cross. Folks, imagine that he is half naked or almost naked. He is wounded all over. He is 
not looking good. He is looking very disgraceful. So much so when Isaiah the prophet is describing how Jesus is in that day, he said something very heartbreaking. And he said that no one desired him. When he looked in the realms of the spirit and when he looked at the son of God hanging on the cross, being rejected by men and wounded and transgressed for our sins, he describes Jesus as a man who is not desired by anyone. Think about it. The Jesus that we serve, the Lord that we are in love with, the master of our lives. We pray every day, Lord, we want to fall in love with you. We want to just love you and desire you. And you are more precious than silver and gold and diamonds. Same Lord Jesus on that day of cross was so undesirable that no human being desired him. Disciples left him and he was not recognized. He was being mocked. He was insulted by Jews, by Romans, by Pharisees, by people around him. So in that moment, when the Lord Jesus is not looking like the King of Kings, he's not looking like the Lord of Lords or a King of a kingdom or anyone who should be desired by human race. In that moment, something very amazing happened. Now we'll start with thief number one. And I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 23 and verse number 39 onwards. It says like this, Then one of the criminals who were hung blasphemed him. He blasphemed him because from the carnal eyes, from human eyes, he looked somebody that should be mocked. So this criminal, when he saw Jesus, he blasphemed him saying, If you are the Christ, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. Because he heard that he's been on the cross because of his claims that he's the son of God and he is God. So when this criminal heard about it, he's not believing Jesus. He's not, he's not able to look what really Jesus is and who really Jesus is. And he's using this word, if, if you are Christ, save yourself and us. He's not recognizing Jesus and he's not able to look beyond the cross of Jesus. He's not able to look beyond the nakedness of Jesus. He's not able to look beyond what Jesus is looking in that moment, but he wants to define Jesus according to the current situation of Jesus. And think about it. What did Jesus reply to him? If you'll carefully look into this chapter, you'll figure out that Jesus didn't reply to him anything. We have a lesson to learn here. Jesus is not entrusted in proving who he is to anyone who doesn't see him in the realms of spirit. Because before this moment also, he stood before Pilate. And even Pilate asked him, what is the truth? Are you really what you say you are? Are you the son of God? Where is your kingdom? Are you really the king of Jews? Pilate wanted to know. Pilate was a good man in a way because he wanted Jesus to be rescued, even his wife. So Pilate had questions to allow Jesus to be released. Yet when you go to that chapter, you'll figure out that Jesus stood silent. Oof. Jesus stood silent. Jesus 
had an opportunity to be released by Pilate if Jesus could have answered in a wise way. But Jesus stood silent. You know why? Because there are times Jesus would not prove or explain. He wants people to have his revelation. He wants people to know even in his silence who Jesus is. So when he stood silent in the presence of Pilate, what Jesus was actually doing, he was answering without words. And he wanted Pilate to see beyond what he was seeing. Are you with me? He wanted Pilate to see beyond. He wanted Pilate to understand and get the revelation of who Jesus is in the presence of Jesus. So Jesus was silent and he didn't want Pilate to be convinced by his counseling or by his answers. Jesus presented himself as the truth and didn't feel it right to present an answer that looked like truth. Jesus is the truth. His presence is the biggest revelation. And same thing happened on the cross. He's not answering anything to that criminal who is mocking him and blaspheming him. The lesson that we learn here is there is a way you deal with criticism in life. There is a way you reposition your heart when people mock you, when people don't understand you, when people misquote you and misinterpret you or they don't value you or they don't recognize you. There is a way you deal with that kind of criticism and the best way to do is with your silence. Not just by proving your worth, not just by giving them some statements that would convince them that who you are. Sometimes your no words are the biggest thing that you can give to your critics. It's your silence that you can give to your enemies. And Jesus didn't speak any word. He didn't, he didn't prove on the cross. He was the son of God even on the cross, but he is not entrusted in proving it to that criminal. And Jesus has no identity crisis. His cross does not define him. His relationship with his father defines him. Him being cast out or left out by the disciples, him being alone on the cross, when his father is also not seeing him, he's not watching over him because he was carrying the sin of the world. And the Bible says that father took his eyes off because he's holy and he cannot look at sin. That's where Jesus prayed, Eli, Eli, lama shabakhtini, oh my father, oh my father, you have forsaken me. Even being forsaken by the father, Jesus is still not entrusted in doing any gimmick, anything to prove to himself or the criminal or to the world that who he actually is. That's called being secure in your identity. That's called being secure in who you are. And your identity is your biggest answer to your critics. Who you are is what's more important than what they think you are. Eish. So, and that's how Jesus is dealing with it in that moment. So much so that Jesus knew that he's the lion and the lamb. He's a combination of two. There were times people, even John the Baptist sent his disciples and asked Jesus, are you the Messiah? Jesus didn't say, yes, I am. He said, go tell him, blind can see and deaf can hear and dumb can speak. He didn't answer the way John was expecting him to answer. That's Jesus. That's our Jesus. There were times they asked him, are you the son of God? He was quiet. He didn't answer. There were times he wanted to stone him. He ran away. There were times they didn't say anything to him. And Jesus would be in the crowds. He would be healing people. And there would be some Pharisees present in that area. And they would just think in their hearts 
they would not even question Jesus or do anything. In that moment, Jesus can easily just take an exit and just move on. But Jesus would stop and say, hey, I hear your heart. And this is what you are thinking. I want to give you this answer. This blows my mind. When they asked him, he was quiet. When they didn't ask him, he spoke. <laughs> That's my Jesus. He decides when to speak and he decides when to be quiet. He decides when to defend and he decides when to attack. He decides when to be a lion and he decides when to be the lamb. Is this helping you, people of God? Because that's how the Lord wants us to build our lives. That we must know when to speak and when to handle criticism, when to be silent, when to say what needs to be said and when, when to be silent and just take an exit from that place. Because the Bible also says, don't put your pearls in front of swine. So now Jesus even on the cross, is having such a controlled spirit. Ah, this is a prophetic word. He, he still had spiritual boundaries. Even in his painful moments, we freak out in our painful moments. We react in ways that a child of God shouldn't react. Can we have spiritual boundaries? Can we have control over our spirit? The Bible says the spirit of the prophet is in charge of the prophet. There's such a learning in this moment from Jesus. Now, to be very honest, that's, that's something that the Lord just wanted to teach us. But the prime focus of this word is what I'm about to share now. So give me your next 15 minutes. And I believe the Lord is going to shift you amazingly, reposition you amazingly. Already it has begun. It has started. This word has already given you some points that you have noted in your uh, journal and your you know, written in your iPad or phone or on your hearts. Already the Lord has explained to you the changes, the repositioning in your heart and in your mindset that needs to come. But look what happens next. When Jesus is not replying to him, the other thief gets into the picture. And this is what the Bible says, verse number 40. But the other answering rebuked him saying, Do you not even fear God? That means this thief, this criminal had a revelation of God. Even though he was trapped in a bad life, he was a thief, he, no one could help him or he was not strong enough in his own power to live a godly life. Yet he had a heart that knew God. He had a heart that feared God. Seeing you are under the same condemnation. Verse number 41. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, then he looked at Jesus and said, but this man has done nothing wrong. Wow, wow. And verse number 42, then he said to Jesus, Lord, oof, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I want to take a pause here and talk about something. Jesus is on the cross. He's not healing people. He's not walking on water. He's not providing bread on the mountain. He is not resurrecting dead Lazarus. He's not in the glorious moment of his ministry. He's not in the limelight. There is no spotlight on him. There is no crazy miracle happening around him. There is nothing happening in which a human being can be impressed with. He's bleeding all over. He's wounded. He's scarred. He's bruised. He's looking like a defeated man. It's a moment of disgrace and insult and dishonor and every bit of human instinct 
would look at a Jesus like this and say, this man cannot be the King of Kings. He cannot be the Lord of Lords. He cannot be what he claims to be. There is no person of power or strength or anything that can prove human beings that this Jesus can defeat hell. This Jesus can be the King of Israel. This Jesus can be the light of the world. This Jesus can be the Alpha and Omega. This Jesus cannot look like the beginning and the end. This is so much opposite of what Jesus is claiming to be. This is such a moment of disgrace. But look, hear me and hear me well. The other criminal, ah, look beyond the ugliness. He, he had eyes to look beyond the brokenness of that moment. He had the intensity to look beyond that defeated moment. He could look beyond the pain and the wound and the scar and the ugliness of, of Jesus on the cross. He could look beyond that blood. He could look beyond that punishment. He could look beyond that weak moment. He could look beyond and, and he could look at the glory of Jesus. He could look at the future of Jesus. He could look at the tomorrow of Jesus. My dear friend, the greatest repositioning can happen into your life if today you can look beyond the ugly part of your life. You can look beyond the painful moment of your life. You can look beyond what you are going through today right now. If you can look beyond it and you can see and say, even though I am going through pain and wound and disgrace and insult, and being rejected, if I can look beyond this painful, suffocating and breathless moment of my life and look towards what the glory can do in my life, can look towards the glory that is at hand, can look towards the glory that is coming my way, I tell you that repositioning can produce glory in your life. And that's exactly what the Lord laid on my heart to share with all my friends and family and church folks and spiritual family and all the nations of the world that are listening, that whatever you are going through, if you can look beyond the nakedness of your life. Somebody listening to me, maybe you are going through a time and season in your life wherein you feel it's all over. It's the last hour. You're changing your plans. You are giving up on your visions and dreams and calling and you're just about to give up. Can you look beyond the insult? Can you look beyond the disgrace? Can you look beyond the pain and the wound of your life? And can you look at the glory which is at hand? That thief had a revelation. He didn't say, if you come in your kingdom. He said, when you come in your kingdom. The difference between these two criminals was, one was the person of if, and the other was the person of when. He had no doubts He's not questioning Jesus, are you going to come? If you are going to come, he said, I know you are coming. So when you come, you remember me. I have a revelation that you are a righteous man. I have a revelation. Can you, in the moment of your cross in your life, can you still have the revelation of the goodness of God? Can you still believe that God is good and his mercy endures forever? Can you still claim, can you still say like Job, I bless the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Even though what I'm going through, it doesn't matter. That doesn't change the goodness of God. That doesn't change the kingship of Jesus. That doesn't change anything. 
Jesus on the cross is still the son of God. Jesus on the cross is still the king of kings because nobody murdered him. You know, a long time back, there was this documentary that came on, I'm not sure it was a history channel or some kind of uh, channel on television. And they claimed that Jesus was murdered. Jesus, they trapped Jesus and killed him. Sorry, he was not murdered. He was not trapped. He allowed them to trap him. He offered his life. He was not murdered. He offered his life like a lamb to give the ransom for the world to be washed by their sins and so that he can redeem them from their sin and pluck them out of hell and place them at the right hand on the throne in heaven. Jesus offered his life. There, there was no plot against him that could succeed without his permission. It was him who decided to be captured. It was him who decided to be crucified. So Jesus wasn't murdered. He, he laid his life down for his friends. So this criminal can see beyond the ugliness, ugliness of his life. He's getting what he deserved. Yet he's believing that there is something that is at hand from this life to another. That is the greatest repositioning that can take place in your heart as you're listening to this word. Yes, mama, you've been broken. You've been distressed because of your son. Yes, look beyond his drugs. Look beyond his lifestyle. He is going to serve God one day. Yes, my dear friend, you're worried about your present. Everything is shaking in your house. Your marriage is falling apart. Your children are out of your control. Your finances are, are just depleted. And you are thinking, what's going to happen tomorrow? Can you look beyond this cross? Can you look beyond this pain? Can you look towards the glory that the Lord is going to produce in your life? Because the Bible says, your, your suffering will produce glory. Your suffering will produce glory. After a little while that you have suffered, the Lord is going to bless you. The Lord is going to lift you. If you stay humble and if you stay faithful under the mighty hands of God, He is going to lift you up in due time. Yes, can you look at that due time which is at hand? Can you keep believing? Can you keep confessing? Can you keep prophesying that dry bones will, will receive life? Can you keep prophesying that my cross will end and resurrection day is at hand. My Sunday is at hand when God is going to break every limitation. He's going to break every power, every scheme of the enemy. Every disgrace will be eliminated. The resurrection is at hand. If you believe that, shout an amen. I want you to receive this word by faith and say, Lord, I'm going to look beyond what I'm going through. I'm going to look beyond this ugliness. When people are not recognizing who am I, they're insulting me. They are mocking me. Lord, I don't know if they'll ever know my value. Father, right now I take authority over every thought in my head and every feeling that makes me feel like a failure. Lord, I'm looking beyond this and I know that glory is at hand. Glory is at hand. Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Remember me. I'm not looking at your nakedness. Can you as a child of God look at the nakedness of your situation and say, no, this is not my destiny. 
I've been waiting, I've been waiting and waiting. It is painful, it is stressful, it just brings anxiety in me, but I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to last, I'm, I'm not going to breathe last on the cross. I will hear the word of the Lord. And that's exactly what happened with this criminal. Jesus decides to speak. Ah, this brings me joy. Jesus is not obligated. Jesus can be quiet with this guy as well. But Jesus decides to open his mouth because he decides when to be quiet and when to speak. Even on the cross, he's fixing a life. Even on the cross, he's saving a soul. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are so amazing. And then the Bible says, when after he said to the Lord, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Verse number 43 says, then Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. Divine repositioning. You are on the cross, but today surely I will reposition you to paradise. And when he said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Jesus intentionally said, today. <laughs> Jesus is telling him, my son, I am in my kingdom even today. Don't ever think this cross is a sign that Jesus is not the king of his kingdom. We are part of a kingdom where the king dies for his people and still remains on the throne. One more time. We are part of a kingdom where the king dies for his people and still remains on the throne. And he said, today, today, I'm still in my kingdom. Not tomorrow, not next week, not Resurrection Sunday. A lot of times we think, oh, resurrection is where kingship started for Jesus. No, right there as well on the cross, Jesus said, I'm going to reposition you in paradise. The greatest repositioning human race can encounter is when someone is repositioned from hell to heaven and your heart is repositioned with God. You are aligned with God. You are reunited with God in the Garden of Eden. From darkness to light. That's the repositioning that took place for that man. And as I'm about to pray, I know a lot of you, many of you, are going through the cross moment in your life. Wherein it's so much of brokenness in your heart. So much of ugliness around you. You want to hide so many things from the world. You don't want anybody to know what you're going through. You are crying alone. You are being miserable in your quiet moments. There is so much of heaviness and sadness and sorrow that is trying to grip your life. But child of God, can you look beyond your Friday? And can you look towards the cross? The Bible says, Jesus joyfully took the cross because his eyes were fixed on the glory which was at hand. That's written in your Bible. That he joyfully took the cross. He didn't worry about his current shame because his eyes were fixed on the future glory. This is what I want to say and end this podcast. <laughs> Are you ready for this? God wants to reposition you in your future. Repositioned in the future. That thief lived in the future. He's not worried about his present. In the present, he's okay to suffer. But then he's talking to Jesus about his tomorrow, his next step. And Jesus is already in the future, even on the cross. 
And by the way, if you think Jesus was crucified on that day, you're wrong. Because the Bible says the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of this world. Jesus was already slain as a lamb before we even knew God. That was just, that day was just the manifestation of what already had taken place in the realms of the spirit. So Jesus is just manifesting that sacrifice on that day. And that criminal, the other one, is already living in the future. And God repositioned him in the future. Can you reposition yourself in the future? Can you just say this word is telling me that tomorrow is beautiful? Can you live in your tomorrow? Can you believe that the Lord has given you the promised land? Can you believe that you've already left the wilderness and you've already entered the promised land? Can you see already your children are well established? Can you say already you're preaching the word of God? Can you already see that you are saving souls? Can you already see that your family situation has changed? Can you already see that your debts have been paid and your sicknesses have left and your sorrow has been turned into joy? Can you live in your tomorrow being present in the present? If that's the art you can learn from this podcast, this ministry is successful. This word has fulfilled its purpose. Whatever we are doing today has completed its essence. If you can learn the art of living in the future, the glorious future that the Lord has ordained for you and orchestrated for you and created for you and designed for you, if you can look beyond the current pain and wound and rejection, and suffocation and live joyfully in your future in the realms of the spirit you have arrived in jesus mighty mighty name repositioned in the future is what i want to call this podcast the lord is repositioning somebody and saying come on don't worry about what you're going through today just forget about it just take your eyes off from the cross and the nakedness and the blood and the mockery and the insult and just look that tomorrow is bringing glory and honor and high places and dominion and favor and breakthroughs and testimonies that will scream of the goodness of the Lord because he has promised good to you in the land of the living. Oh, child of God, my dear friend, I wish you could see that this word has come to you with great joy, with good news. I pray and I desire and I wish and I hope that you will embrace this word and practice this word and everyone who's listening to me, everyone who's under my voice will receive the grace from heaven to live in the future, to live in the future, to believe that the Lord has promised good to you and your pain, your suffering will produce glory for you. Child of God, you're blessed. Receive the grace in the power of Spirit of God and see how the Lord will lead you like that thief, how he will reposition you from cross to paradise. Today, it is possible. You are blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Shalom.